0: Hello and welcome to The Leaderverse with your hosts, Drew Lee, Lucas Sheradden, and me, Jesse Button. Is there a perfect leadership personality type? We tend not to think so. We think that anyone, despite personal shortcomings, can excel in a leadership role if they know the importance of things like resilience, optimism, the, the dangers of negativity and complaining, the power of maintaining and repeating their vision. These are just some of the essential behaviors of a powerful leader that Lucas and Drew walk us through. All of that and more today on The Leaderverse. How does every person lead and be authentic at the same time?
1: Yeah, and I, I think that that's, that's the the joy of The Leaderverse. It's a different conversation that um, I think you and I have come from worlds, and I think a lot of the people who are in The Leaderverse Facebook group, who the people who we're talking to like, okay, I see the perfect people on stage. They're, they they yep. they never have acne. They never have a bad day. They always have good hair days. They always yeah. have an answer. They're at the gym by three o'clock in the morning, but what do I do? And I'm a little, got a little extra around my waistline. I don't always feel it. And, and yeah. how, how how does that person lead? The person that doesn't have the perfect hair, the perfect teeth or the perfect body or, and I I know that, they're judging themselves by everybody else's highlight reels. I get that. But yeah. I think that's the the strength of the leader is we are not leadership for the elite. We're a leadership for everybody.
0: Yeah. Neither one of us are taking our shirt off anytime soon, showing our. Sure. Yes, you know, th- that we have less than 3% body fat. And that's, and that's, I've, no got a, I've, got a si-
1: I've got a six pack, but it's hidden by a keg. I'm just saying,
0: <laughs> <laughs> said the pastor, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm trying to talk to your language, former Navy man.
0: <laughs> but, you know, and, and it's no sl- I mean, like the people that are out there that, that do that type of, that have that type of, you know, call it physique, or they have those type of goals, or they do the, such extreme things. The struggle is it, it's, it's hard to be relatable. You know, and and yes, I you know, okay, I've I've ran a marathon or two recently, but I didn't start till I was forty-eight, which I I think makes that relatable because anybody can do it. I mean, if you're younger than me, then you then you then it's nothing you can't do. Prior to last year, I had never ran more than five miles in my life at one time and mm-hmm. you know and you're not seeing me break any world records i i like to say hey i've been in a race where three world records were broken because they were so afraid of my, what i was capable of that <laughs> you it to spurred believe- them on
1: <laughs> you are the but, wind beneath their wings drew yes
0: but like if you know you know the the gentleman who who broke the chicago marathon and the world record kevin kipkin you know that dude had time to go have a shower get a meal get a massage come back and I still wasn't finished. So, so in authentic leadership, we like to set, you know, Hey, look, we're, we're going to, we're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. Most importantly, we're going to learn how to improve and stay authentic to ourselves while we're on this journey.
1: Well, and I think that kind of leads us into the topic for today is the challenge with the Ken and Barbie leaders, and I'm I'm saying that just generically. It it feels like they're perfect. It feels like they always know the right thing to say. It feels like every move they make turns out perfect. Yeah, right. And
0: and if you if you're first time tuning in. Uh, we will probably offend you in some way. If you've never oh, been on one sure. of our podcasts, have not listened. I can almost guarantee we're going to say something because our entire goal and platform is authentic leadership. We're going to say something that might frankly piss you off. And if that word ah. pisses you off, then, then there you go.
1: Yeah, what? Just if that word pisses you off, just wait and listen to Drew for a little bit longer, and I'm sure he'll even piss you off more. So here, here's here's my question though, and this is the challenge with the people that are unattainable leader leadership models: is how does a leader handle a funk? I mean I'm I'm just honestly I I've, I've been yeah. talking to so many people in leadership right now and they're not feeling it. They're so, so somebody on I I posted on social media that it was like somebody says well daylight savings time really screws me up. I'm like okay so some people get into a funk cuz it gets darker, some people get into a funk cuz the weather is colder. But the truth is every leader that I know and very few people talk about it experiences times when i'm in a funk when i'm just emotionally i just don't feel it I'm, I'm writing a book right now drew and it's it's been the biggest challenge of my own personal internal stories of my entire life
0: yeah. I, and you're not alone i i don't know if that helps some people or or it makes it or it makes it even even worse like hey we're going to talk about how do you get out of the funk today as a leader and And we're going to start with, and a lot of people feel that way. And that's not abnormal. It's actually common. I think there was a, I read a book a while back. It was Mark Cuban's first book. And he said something that it was like, it was just one of those moments where I almost, if if I had a relationship with Mark Cuban, I would have just called him and said, thank you thank you for saying what I've never heard somebody of your success or your accomplishments openly acknowledge. And he said, there are going to be days when you effing don't feel like it. There it is. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Cause I've got this image of my mind that people like Cuban wake up every day, breathing fire and, and they go take on the world. And, and the Steve jobs are like, yes, let's go change the world. And, and, acknowledging that there are going to be days where you know, regardless of what you've done, what you've accomplished at uh, your success level, you're going to wake up and you're going to not feel like it today. You're going to be in a funk. Wow. It's not just me. Yeah. Woo. I, had, I had a leader
1: call me on the way as I was driving into the, to my office today. And, and he was like, you know, you're, you're a safe person I could talk to. I know you've been through similar things and then proceeded to talk to me about just a, terrible emotional spot that he finds himself in and feeling very betrayed, very disillusioned, disappointment, disappointed. And honestly, it's like, I, I look at your bookshelves behind you and I see David Goggins there. It's like David Goggins inspires me, but I don't relate to David Goggins because I'm not going to go run a marathon every morning. I'm not going to go. Do, you know, <laughs> I'm not
0: going to run like, a hundred miles a day, but he does say something that that everyone can relate with, regardless of what you're going through we got to acknowledge no one's coming to save you.
1: I And you know what? That hit me about two weeks ago real, because I'm always waiting. Well, you know, maybe after this happens, or maybe if this person will see this or that no one's coming to save you, which at first, probably if you're in a funk scares you. But the second, it also kind of empowers you that says if it's going to be, it's up to me. I have yeah. not found myself, for, for me, like in a funk, if I could get active, it's hard to be depressed and active at the same time. It's hard to be down and active, uh, yeah. moving towards your goals. The, the greatest days probably of my life and anybody listening's life is the day that you totally were screaming, don't get out of bed. I want to stay here. The blanket monster is going to get me. And you still got out of bed, and you went worked out. You still got out of bed, and you, you know, ladies, you put your makeup on, did your hair, you showed up at the office, and we did the stuff that we knew we did not want to do. And at the end of the day, said I did my job today. And so I think that for me, like if I'm in a funk, I have to still choose. While I'm taking care of myself mentally and emotional, mental and emotional health is important.
0: Yeah. Well, mental fit. I I don't want to call it mental mental health. It's mental fitness. Yeah. Okay. Because mental mental health it almost sounds like something we're maintaining. Mental fitness is a muscle you can build. Mm -hmm. You can work on resilience. And, you know, what what gets us in a funk, things aren't the way we want them to be. Let's acknowledge, first, it's acknowledging reality of what's actually going on, what's happening around us. Tony Robbins taught a technique that I've used. and He says, you know, when things are swirling around you or you find yourself in a funk, the first thing is, To actually pause and say, what's happening? Write this question down. What's happening? There's the key that make a situation, name it for what it is. And most importantly, don't make it worse in what it is. Don't make it worse in your language. We all have a tendency to do this, not to generalize, but you know, I'm drowning in paperwork. I've never seen anyone physically drown in paperwork, unless like the shredder on a commercial shredder exploded and you actually drowned in paperwork. Or I'm putting out fires. Not one time if I walked into a business or an office and, and seen anybody with a fire extinguisher putting out fires, what's actually happening? I'm having a difficult time transaction or a difficult sale or I'm in a difficult negotiation or the economy has created different opportunities or challenges what what is actually happening and describe the situation for what it is most importantly not making it worse than it is number 2 is how do you want it to be the yeah. reason we're in a funk is because things don't match our expectations or the way we want them to be go to the mirror get butt naked, look at your reflection and ask yourself, all right, is that how I want it to be? A lot of people would say, no, they will pick out their flaws. There are things that they don't like. There are parts of their body. And yet that's still you acknowledge it. And if you don't like something that's going on in your world, or you find that the, the way you envision your current reality doesn't match the current reality, then wh- how do you want it to be? Yeah. Are there steps you could take today to make it more that way? Change something, improve something. You know, if you look at your midsection and you don't like it because there's a six pack covered by a keg,
1: quit yelling at me.
0: (laughs) What's what's something? What's one thing you could do that's one hundred percent controllable by you today that could influence or improve that situation?
1: Yeah, I mean I I could drink more water, I could eat uh stay away from the rice crispy treats. I could do th- make different food choices.
0: You could. You could. And see and that's what happens with the honestly most overachievers. What you just did is a really great example, Lucas, of what a, a lot of overachievers do. What was the question? What was one thing you could do oh, differently. differently? Sure. And we and but that's what we do. We're yeah. like, all right, I could I could make more phone calls. I could prospect more. I could do direct mail. I could do this. I could do that. I could do all of these things. How about one sit-up? Did you do a sit-up yesterday? How about one sit-up? Or if you did one yesterday or you did five, okay, great. What would six be? What What would be one more or one measure of improvement better than you were five minutes ago, five weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I think the other thing that I, if people could hear this or if a Lucas could even hear this is if I'm in a funk, it means number one, I do have some sort of clarity about what I would, my vision should be. It's like, I think it should look like this and it does look like this too. And number two, number one, it means I have some, some levels of clarity. Number two, it means I have a high level of care. I care that it's not what it should be right now. And, and so um. that it's like, I think that funk also, I think that the positive side of being in a funk or being in a down place is, is I have some clarity around my vision, even if I say I don't know, and I really do care. I'm, I'm passionate about that. So,
0: And, and that's, you know, that's a, cr- a great point is if you didn't care, this wouldn't affect you as much. I mean, we care about whatever whatever is creating. Call it the funk in your life. It's it may be financial, it may be relationship, it might be your business, it might be people around you. There may be a lot that you're looking at. Whenever I find myself in a call it just a funk or 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 a WTF moment, or I'm not sure what's going on, uh, I have to go really small. Yeah. Like okay, what, what is like what are all the things that are that are in in my realm of control and what are all the things that I'm focusing on that are outside of my realm of control? Two words. Other people are never in your span or realm of control. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part is when we're dealing with other people, whether it be uh, buyers, sellers, things that we're negotiating, our relationship, our kids, other people, our employees, partners, you we cannot control what other people do so I, we got to go really really small and say how do i get myself out of a funk well i got to first look up all right what is what's going on what's happening how do i want things to be what are ways i could make it more like that and then is this controllable and then number two Does it matter like why is this an important topic yeah actually choose you- matter
1: your, your point, I actually did an exercise with what you just said, is I drew two circles that intersected. The left circle, I said, inside the circle, it matters. Outside the circle, it doesn't matter. And on the right-hand circle, I said, things I control and outside the things that I don't control. And I, my job is to only pay attention to the things that where that circles intersect that I control and actually matter. Yes. So if it doesn't matter, it's outside that circle, so don't worry about it. If it does matter, but you don't control it, you can't really worry about it. It's where – I have a controllable that matters. That's where I put my attention. And I think a lot of times my funk is either. Well, I think that there's another component to it is like, sometimes I get into a funk because I didn't do I'm frustrated with the lack of results for the work I didn't do. <laughs> it's like, why didn't I have this output? Well, I didn't really do the work. And mm-hmm. so I, I I gotta get back into I, that matters and I, I control that. And so I think that if we could stay in that where those two circles interlap. Yes. That's that that's step number one is take yes. control of the controllables that matter.
0: That I agree with you hundred percent. It's actually I, I have those those drawn. Uh, on my wall as well and yeah. it's something i look at frequently and i say okay where does where does this issue or where does this situation or where does this frustration or where does this this uh um, challenge where does it where does it lie yeah the other part is the human mind is really great at three things it it's great at distorting it's great at generalizing and mm-hmm. it's great at deleting so when we have situations that are like consuming our focus or we're really focused on it, the the brain does that naturally. It says, okay, what's important? What am I telling myself is really important right now? Yeah. Whether I can control it or not, whether I'm in a spiral or not, whether I'm in a funk or I'm in a great place in my life, what your brain is doing is it's deleting, it's distorting, and it's generalizing everything else to, to hone in on that one thing. You know, the economy is an interesting thing right now. Let's talk about it. That if you're in sales, any kind of sales, fewer people are buying. Mm. That's what's happening. Fewer people are buying. Fewer people might be selling. There are less sales when, when, when there's uncertain times in an economy and there's an uncertain time in the world and uncertainty creates its own uh, challenges because it, it affects our, our, our human body right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs says the very first thing we strive for as human beings on this planet is safety. We look for safety. We look for security. We look for comfort. And everything that's beyond our control is things that say, what's the impact of that? So if you're in sales, fewer people are buying and selling. What can I control about that? Name one thing. Picking up the phone. Picking up the phone. Why? Why would pick up the phone be something I can control? Because I could actually pick up the phone and I
1: could actually use my fingers to dial a phone number.
0: True. And here's what we know. People are buying. There might be less, but someone's buying. Someone's buying your value, your product, your service today.
1: I talked to a real estate team yesterday who, who was talking about how there's not enough buyers, not enough inventory, interest rates are high. And I go, okay, just out of curiosity in your city, and it's a, it's not a major metropolitan, it's a pretty good-sized town. How many closed units were there last month in, in the real estate space? There were 1,700. I'm like, how many people are in this room? There's 10. Well, each of you had enough to do 170 each. There was enough people buying and selling for 170 each. There's plenty to go around. It's just the only difference was somebody else got in front of that person that was motivated and needed a service. Because even in the real estate space where there's all sorts of uncertainty, there's yeah. there's still enough Enough business happening, transactions happening that has to happen. Not even yes. maybe it's not even ideal time. It has to happen, and so I I think like looking at that, and I think for me is like I um I want to give people hope, Drew, and I think that that's what what's the strength is. It's not always going to feel like this. But no, thing, I think I think of uh in Finding Nemo, Dora is just keep swimming, just keep swimming, yes. just keep swimming, and the the smart thing about that psychology. Is swimming actually is something that matters, and I can control.
0: <laughs> Wait, well, yeah. And one of my partners, Missy Webb, said something on a on a coaching call that I thought was just it was just fire. She said, "You ever notice that motivation comes after the work's done?"
1: That's exactly right. That is so good, Missy.
0: You know, it, it's whether it's whether it's your health routine, your relationships. You know, let let's face it, the dessert comes after the dinner. You know, the dessert comes after the date. It's like things come and they improve afterwards.
1: Did you just say dessert comes after the
0: date? Oh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I have th- I have 3 kids. Dessert comes after the
1: date. <laughs> I I thought that's what you said. Oh my
0: goodness, that's just so good, Drew. Oh, that's so amazing. but it's like, you know, the you're going to be most motivated, most inspired, most uh, energized After you've done the work that often is the work we don't want to do. We know someone's buying your product or your service today. Are we doing the activities when we don't feel like it don't want to, are in a funk, you know, are are generally discouraged, and you're saying, okay, do all of the activities contrary to that? Well, they're controllable. That's right. And it's something you can do. And the best thing about being an entrepreneur is what does my customer, like, first off, who's my customer today? Who is a customer whose needs I could service or who, whose value I, I, who, who has something of a, of a need or a value that we could fill. So define your customer. Who are they? What do they need or what problem do they have currently that I can help them overcome? So good. Cause yes, affordability might be down. Okay, great. Well, but there's still inventory. There's still availability. If interest rates come back down, what do you think happens to the all of the buyers? They they come back active. So what happens to prices? Most likely, they skyrocket. Who knows? Guess what? It doesn't effing matter anyway, because none of that is controllable. I can't control what interest rates do. And the more you focus on that part, the more we go down in this rabbit hole that we're digging ourselves called a funk. One of my mentors, Tony DeSella, used to say all the time, um, when you're in a hole, first step or first rule of being in a hole. Stop digging. Stop digging. (laughs) When you're in a hole, stop digging.
1: Well, that that, and stop digging like can mean when you're in a funk is that, okay, get real clear on your vision because your commitment to your vision needs to be greater than your commitment to what you currently feel. Is stop digging. But hang on.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. Rewind that. Rewind that.
1: To me, as I was thinking, stop digging means I need to get real clear with my vision because my commitment to my vision needs to be co- more committed than I'm committed to what I'm feeling right now. It's like I have to be committed to that output because right now I'm very committed to feeling a certain way. And when I'm committed to feeling in a funk, that means I'm going to do the activities of a funk, which means I'm not going to do anything, which means basically I'm either going to be so committed to what I want that I'm willing to sacrifice today, or I'm willing to sacrifice what I really want today. And so I I have to be real clear. And I think and so number one, get real clear on the vision, more committed to the vision than what I currently feel. Number two for me is, I need to avoid people who are also in a funk that want to add fire to the funky fire. (laughs) Yes. Because I I tell you what, the easiest thing to do is to find other people who share your complaint and complaint plus complaint is not addition. It's always exponential is if you have a complaint and I have a complaint that is not one plus one equals two, that's one plus one equals a thousand. So I have to find people who say that that's current reality. Now what's your vision? So am I committed to reality or am I committed to vision?
0: Well, yeah, what's Brendan Burchard say about, about the, the connecting through complaining? Oh, yeah. He said it's, it's the easiest way to connect with another human is connecting through complaining, but connecting through complaining kills the sale because it kills the confidence. Like right. I'm thinking of buying an insurance policy, or I'm thinking of buying a, a parcel of land or, or a piece of real estate or a house, or I'm thinking of buying something, or perhaps I'm considering selling something or can an asset. The last thing I want to hear is somebody that's a naysayer that's going to create doubt, not confidence. Complaining creates doubt. And yet it's the,
1: it's the fastest way to galvanize a crew, a, a.k.a. watch what happens in November next year. That political parties do not – like I don't know sometimes what a politician's for, but I definitely know what he's against because what he's doing is he's trolling for the other people who want to complain about it because it's the fastest way to unify a crowd is to have a common complaint.
0: Yes. Right. And as leaders, we got to be really mindful of that the complaining, com- the, the the complaint department doesn't become the whole organization. Or as a leader, you're not leading the complaint compartment. Right, because it I- takes no skill, it takes no courage, right. it really doesn't take a whole lot of talent to point out what's wrong. Well, you anybody can do it. Your kid, my I, my eight year olds, I got a five year old daughter that is skilled beyond anyone's comparison of how to acknowledge when things aren't her way.
1: Well, and your job as a coach, Drew, is to go in the middle of a potentially negative situation where there's somebody disillusioned or discouraged or disappointment and pull the treasure out of the midst of a bunch of doo-doo. It's like, how do I see the treasure? How do I see the the potential? How do I help somebody get back focused onto their vision and the greatness inside of them instead of for the crappiness of how they feel? And I that, that's why the coaches are absolutely necessary. Here's what I don't get. This is this a little soapbox of Lucas Sheridan. And I, I have very few coaching clients, so I don't make most of my livelihood off coaching. So there is no secondary agenda here. This is just something that blows my mind. People get in a funk. People start getting broke, start getting scared. And the first thing they want to cut is a coach. I don't want to pay for a coach anymore. It is. That is the biggest death sentence I think of possibly because I need a coach that I invest in my future so much so that I'm going to continue to invest in the coach so that somebody grabs me by the hand and says, okay, that's how you feel. That's not what you need to see. So I either see your vision or I see your feelings and I see your vision. And honestly, amongst all the muck and mire, I still see the treasure inside of you. And I'm speaking to the treasure inside of you, not to the, the muck and mire that you're you're caught in currently. I think never make a, a permanent, never make a permanent decision based upon a temporary situation. Never make a permanent decision based upon a temporary situation. It's I I used to be a pastor, you used to be a sailor, so our language is kind of fun. But my favorite scripture verse. And said a little tongue in cheek, is it came to pass. It never comes to stay. What we're going through right now <laughs> is coming to pass. It didn't come yes. to live with me. It came to stay. It came to pass. My choice now is how long will it stay?
0: Yes. You know what's interesting is the every worst decision I've ever made, most of them I made alone. Oh, that's so you funny. know. So it's like the the worst choices I've made they they have had the fewest voices or other opinions yeah. most of the time. It's like, it's just my voice. Um, one of my favorite authors, a gentleman named Andy Andrews, you can see his book down there it's called the traveler's gift. He used to say that if you're in a funk or you're in a place in your life and you, you don't like where you are. Like, so if things are happening around you and you don't like where you are, his context was it's your best thinking that got you here. So I was like, well, wait, wait a minute. Well, what, what do you mean my best thinking? What's well, like, okay, well, you make, first you make the choice and the choice makes you it's our best level of thinking that got us here. Your income always matches your highest level of thinking your business growth, your personal growth matches your highest level of thinking. So if you're in a great place, it's your thinking that helps you get there, look around you who is helping you think at a level you need. So you get where you want to be. If you're not, in a great place currently, physically, mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, with your relationships, it's also a product of our best thinking. Do the same thing: look around you, and who is helping you, or who is agreeing with you, or complaining with you? That's leading to that. Well, you know, rapper here, and singer Pitbull said it best: "Show me your friends, I'll show you your future."
1: I've never listened to, well, I've listened to one thing of pitball because I was, you're forced to on some commercials, but here, here, here's, I can tell you the totally different languages that you and I speak. <laughs> and so I need to be really careful because in moments of, of hardship, I am very susceptible to other people's negative opinions. And if they have the same negative opinion that I do, it makes me feel good temporarily. It does not help me out of the hole. So I need to quit digging, quit listening to that stuff. I quit listening to that conspiracy, quit listening to that, whatever it is and say, what, what do I control and what matters? Let me stay there. So like I was, I started to say earlier is I'm in the middle of writing a book. It's a, it's a challenge for me. And you know what I need to do? I need to sit down and write. Now, here's my problem: is I write and I'm like, "That's garbage. That's terrible. That's awful." Well, keep writing garbage because as you write garbage, you get better at it. You get the reps, right? And so it's like, yeah. But then I get frustrated that it's not progressing. But I'm not working on it because I'm in a funk. It's like, stop the madness! Stop (laughs) digging.
0: (laughs) I I watched Netflix last night. There's a new documentary called Sly about about uh, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, and he said, you know he said, I, I just wrote when I wrote Rocky, I just wrote, he said, now look, 98% of it was crap. Yeah. He said, but it didn't matter because I was writing. Yeah. And and that's the whole premise is you do the activity. You're going to feel better. You're going to feel more motivated after yeah. the work is done.
1: I bet you he sat there in his little apartment in Pittsburgh, PA or Philly, Philadelphia, PA. And he wrote, yo, Adrian, he goes, Oh, that, that, that'll become iconic one day. Yo, Adrian. he
0: he said he wrote that in three days he wrote rocky in three he was like when they said they were interested he went back he goes so i wrote for the next three days i spent it and i and i wrote i wrote the screenplay and he said 98 percent of it wasn't going to go anywhere but it's the activity it's the controllable and i didn't know this but he spray painted his windows black so he forced himself to stay in and write wow well what does that mean you, you were talking about the influences of other, you know, we were taught by the, the old school, probably original, uh, you know, self-help guy, Zig Ziglar used to call it a sni Yep. susceptible right. to the negative influences of other people. Well, we, we all have that. Yeah. You know, cause and we relate to with one that. another.
1: In fact, I, I tell you what, this would be the experiment. So, go to your social media feed mm-hmm. and I can tell you how you think about life. Because all those advertisements isn't what's happening. All those advertisements know you're interested in it and you've clicked on it. or you. So if you see nothing but conspiracies or people dying or how bad the economy is or how hard real estate is, congratulations. You have a mirror to your own mindset.
0: Yeah. I, all I see re- lately is ice baths. <laughs> um, I, I actually have one somewhere, so I don't know why they're sending me. Oh, um there's this, there's this thing. It's a suction cup therapy. It goes on certain parts of your body. Uh, very I, painful, I, but worse. I see a lot
1: of stuff for AARP and you know how to how to handle <laughs> aging. I'm like, oh gosh, have I gotten to that place in life? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you can find our episodes, our latest episodes on the leaderverse, theleaderverse.com. You can also join our Facebook group, the leaderverse, where we're having authentic conversations about leaders, about leadership, about the challenges that we all experience. And remember, you've made it through 100% of your toughest day, you've made it through 100% of your most difficult day. So, what's your takeaway?
1: I think my takeaway is, number one, I love the, how you hit it right out of the gate, is we're not alone. If you're listening to this, you're not alone. Number two is surround myself with people who will pull me out of the hole. Be empathetic, but pull me out of the hole. They won't leave me in the hole. And number three for me is take action on your vision. Just do, Don't do do the three things, Lucas Sherad. Do the one thing, the one thing that can make a difference. And at the end of the day, high five yourself. You did the one thing. Yes. I love it, buddy. Appreciate All you. All right. We'll Judy. see you next. On the big, huh?
0: Next Leaderverse, and we'll have our amazing, by far the best version of the oh, three of, of us, uh, our incredible Jesse Button back.